This is Photo BizX, episode number 548, and today this is part two of the two-part series of Preschool Photography Business Success. Our special guest is Trina Julius from Red Cherry Images, and she is also the creative art of kindy photography. In this interview, we're going to dive deep into the business side of a successful preschool or kindy photography business. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And if you are hearing this interview or this episode as it goes live, I will be down in Adelaide watching the tour down under the first big pro cycling race of the year. It happens every year in January here in Australia. So absolutely cannot miss that as a mad keen cyclist. So because I am away on holiday, kind of, we're going to get straight into things. It's been a massive week last week, as you would have been following along, I'm sure you would know that we ran the first AI masterclass for photographers with Brianna Schrader. It was a huge success. The feedback has been fantastic following that training. And I think it is safe to say that our minds were blown by what Brianna was sharing, what she's doing with AI, and what she basically showed us is possible in regards to creating the most targeted content, whether that's social media posts, lead magnets, blog posts, Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever it may be, we're able to do that in a hyper-targeted way, utilizing AI after creating the most phenomenal ideal client avatar, again, using AI and the prompts that she shared. So, yeah, I don't think AI is going anywhere. We already know it's prevalent in the image side of our businesses, but it looks like it's going to, but it does look like it is going to be here to stay in regards to the marketing side of things as well. So do not get left behind. Don't be afraid to go and check it out and have a play with it. And hopefully, well, I plan to bring more AI related content and interviews to you in the coming months as well. Not to mention the follow-up training sessions that will be presented by Brianna over 2024. So look out for those as well. In regards to other things happening last week, if you didn't catch the interview with Katie Griffin, the Google AdWords expert, she was a breath of fresh air when it comes to Google Ads. Definitely get back and have a listen to that one. If you have any interest in testing or trialing Google Ads, or maybe you've tried it in the past and had no success, maybe you've hired an agency, spent a fortune and just didn't get results. If that is the case, please do not let that experience leave a bad taste in your mouth, so much so that you don't even look at Google Ads anymore, because I think Katie's approach may change the way you think about Google Ads. In fact, let me read, let me read one of the comments from the members' Facebook group following the release of that interview with Katie. It was from Tony Knight, who is an incredibly talented and successful photographer here in Australia. He says, what a breath of fresh air. No BS info about Google Ads. Love her approach and attitude. Not about the money. It's about the results relative to the business. Clearly, her honest approach will see her succeed, and I will be exploring her training for sure. Thanks for this one, Andrew. So yeah, 
if that's not proof enough that it's worth getting back to have a listen to that one with Katie, make sure that you do check it out. That is it for announcements. Let's jump into this interview with Trina Julius. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. This is a little bit of a strange introduction today because at the time of recording, I'm not sure if this is going to go out before the interview with Tracy Mock or after the interview with Tracy Mock, but I am delighted to say that I have Trina Julius back with me on the podcast. I interviewed Trina originally for episode 443 of the podcast. We focused on her business, Red Cherry Images, where she does preschool photography or kindy photography as it's known in Australia. And we talked all about the ins and outs of that business. And since then, as you may or may not have heard from Tracy, Trina has started the Preschool Photography Academy, which Tracy referred to, which she has taken a course in. And by all accounts, it teaches you everything you need to know to get started as a preschool photographer. So I've asked Trina back onto the show to find out more about this new academy, how it all works, who it's for, what the cost is, basically get the ins and outs of this new academy. So Trina, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. I'm so happy to be here and to chat to you again about preschool photography. <laughs> so are you still shooting yourself or are you all in on the photography academy? How does, how does that side of your life work? Yeah, so this year has been a sort of a big change for me. I'm still shooting, but I've had a few changes. I've brought on some more photographers And, you know, I'm increasing my team, which is really exciting, something I've been a little bit hesitant to do in the past, but it's allowing me more time to really focus on the Preschool Photography Academy and just really creating the course and being there for my students to guide them along the way of their journey into preschool photography. Awesome. So how long have you been photographing preschool kids? Uh, just over 10 years now. So yeah, quite a while. So I'm nearly 50. And another reason for, you know, building my team has been, I'm getting a little bit weary and tired. I still definitely want to shoot because I love it. I, it still brings me a lot of joy. So I'm just slowing down a little bit and, you know, just allowing my other photographers to take the lead a little bit more. So that's really exciting. The reason why I wanted to do that is because, you know, I had no backup plan really. Like if a few times during the year I had a shoulder injury, I was sick, I was in hospital for a night or two. And I just thought, what am I going to do? You know, I need more photographers to help me on site. So, you know, I had to have a good think about that and bring on and just, you know, let go of the control a little bit (laughs) and just trust in some other photographers to take on. And, you know, I've taught my second photographer, Karen, for the last two years, and she is fabulous. She does a really good job. She shoots just like me. And, you know, I can trust her to go in and get the job done for me. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's been my changes over this year. I'm still up around the 30 per year this year, 30 centers per year that I photographed. But next year, I want to go a little bit bigger and just uh, have some more people out there working for me while I concentrate on the education. Unreal. So I was going to ask you, did you have to let any centres go or you've kept every centre and you're looking at expanding still? Yeah, well, when I was not well, I had to let two centres go. And, you know, I really had to think about that because I've been with them for quite a few years. So I have a colleague in Brisbane who was happy to take them on for me. So that worked out really well. So I've got some really, you know, strong friendships with some colleagues I have around Brisbane and Australia-wide. So, uh, you know, we all help each other out when we can. So good. So do you feel now 
more like a business operator than a photographer or do you still feel equal? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to be more of a business operator than a, just a photographer. You know, it's really hard with my style of photography. Like I'm out there in the yard and I'm taking photos outdoors and, you know, it's a bit different every time I shoot. So it's not really a, you know, a, a model that's easy to scale, but it's just important that I try and do that anyway and step back a little bit. But I still like to think of myself as a photographer and it's still my passion and, you know, still I definitely want to be have my hand in there and continue to go to some of the centres that I've been with for, you know, almost 10 years anyway. So, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to refer back and forth to Tracy Now, for the listener, they may or may not have heard the interview with Tracy, but I certainly have recorded that one already. So I'm going to use her as a bit of an example. But Tracy talked about shooting all natural light, no strobes, unless it's like really desperate, like the weather's terrible. Are you the same? Like is she following your model exactly? Yeah, pretty much. Like that's what I do. Like if it's bad weather, you know, I will shoot on in the veranda area, but sometimes I've had to delay the shoot by a week or so. So having that little bit of padding in your schedule is always good. You know, most of the time, you know, the rain only goes for an hour or so, so you can kind of just hold out and wait. But yeah, all outside, all natural light. I don't really like to venture indoors. Being outside is my happy place. Being out in the yard is my happy place. That's where I feel most creative and that's where I'm teaching my photographers to be the most creative as well. So, Right. Yeah. If you have a photographer come on and join your academy and they are comfortable, they are familiar with strobes, they like shooting with strobes, like can they still do what you teach? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So the principles are still the same in regards to, you know, building the workflows around your business and the pricing structures and the management of orders and, you know, your gallery systems as well. The only thing that's different is where you take the photos. So you know, I definitely say in my course, look, you can be doing this as backdrops. You can be doing this as outdoors. Obviously, with some of the posing guides that I have are all outdoors. So, you know, but the principles are still there on, you know, connecting with children and, you know, finding the right poses and the right angles, et cetera, and getting variety as well. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely good for, for all styles, I think. Cool. With your business or your business model, what's the hardest part to learn? Is it the systems? Is it the pricing? Is it setting up the galleries? Is it learning how to shoot? Like, where do you think people see the biggest breakthroughs and think, okay, I've got this now? Yeah. So I think the biggest stumbling block most people have is choosing the right software to use and just the communication side of it, getting the word out to the families, communicating with the directors and the centers on, you know, what's required and just, you know, just the management of the whole system. The shooting part is easy. Like that is literally 20% of the job. So, you know, that's what a lot of photographers who come to me and ask about preschool photography is they don't realise like, you know, they might walk into a centre and the, you know, the director will say, you know, can you do our photos because their child attends the centre. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And they take it on but they don't actually realise all the questions that come with that and, you know, all the stuff that they need to think about beforehand and have ready and set up and you know that's where a lot of photographers come unstuck they don't realize what the questions or they don't realize what they don't know and there is a lot that goes into making sure that you're covering all those bases so yeah so what about the photographer who's listening who thinks mm, I want to give this a try mm -hmm. but I don't want to invest thousands I don't want to buy brand new software like I'm already using pick time or pixie set yeah uh, I know how to photograph kids I do family portraits but I'm thinking about delving into preschools or maybe 
maybe their child is going to a preschool and like you said, they've been asked to photograph it. Like what's the best way to dip your toes in and see if it's a good fit for you? I always recommend that they start off with a really small centre. If they want to do that, they want to test out, you know, is this for them? So just, you know, go to their local little preschool if that's what they've been able to. Just don't jump into a big childcare because you might get it right. You might be able to do a perfectly fine job using shoot proof or pixie set, et cetera. But those systems are not really built for volume photography and they will find the stumbling blocks as they approach them. So, you know, I have a few little mini courses that they can do to sort of see whether it's right for them and they can apply some of the principles, of course. But uh, yeah, it's look, anyone can jump in and just do it. But, you know, are you doing it right? Are you going to potentially ruin that relationship with the centre? You know, so there's a lot that I recommend that they do. But uh, yeah, look, I'm happy to (laughs) have a chat to anyone about it if they wanted to sort of delve into what's involved. But uh, yeah. I guess <laughs> that's what I can say about that. <laughs> okay, so what if my child is going to a large, you know, a large centre with multiple classes, lots and lots, hundreds of kids, and they ask me if I can photograph and I'm a bit scared, like would you say say no or suggest uh, maybe photographing just my child's class to see if I like it? Oh, yeah. Look, if you end up doing that, you'll get all the other parents wondering why they can't have their child photographed too. I would just say, look, you know, chat to me, have a look at my course, decide if it's right for you. And, you know, if you're going to take on a centre that's got 100 or so kids with it, you know, you can do it. You can find out a way to do it. You can find out the hard ways. You can spend a lot of time trying to work out the systems and processes and, you know, how to communicate with the parents. Or you can come chat to me and I can take away all that um, for you and, you know, just really help you along with the process so you don't make those you know, sometimes costly errors and you'll end up spending so much more time trying to figure it all out. You know, and time is money. So you just want to be making sure that you're adequately spending your time on it, I guess. Yeah, sure. I guess I'm trying to find a way for the listener, if they're thinking about trying it, like the best way to try it. Let's say I invest in your academy. So there's the cost of the academy, which I totally get. And the way Tracy raved about it, it was an absolute bargain. Mm-hmm. But if I, let's say I sign up for your academy, what else do I have to subscribe to or pay for to get started in preschool photography? Because I know you, you're, like, you're alluding to the fact I'm going to need this special software. Yeah, so I use Scientist. And it's a 380 US dollar fee to buy it outright. Or if you wanted to just try it out, you can sign up for the hosted version, which I think it's from memory about 38 to 40 US dollars a month. So there is that option to just try it out with their hosted version if you just want to just do the one center. You know, once you go into that software, there is a fair bit to set up. You know, I would say that it's it's the right software to use if you're looking to progress into the future and do more. And I can guarantee once you do one and, you know, you work out your stats on, you know, my average is $100 per child that I'm usually getting. And, you know, if you've got a center of a hundred plus kids, you know, that's what you can aim for. And so, you know, you're going to get that cost of my course back within one center. So, but, you know, if you're taking on a smaller center and you just want to, you know, dip your toes in, like you said, uh, you could try the hosted version of Scientist. Just being aware that if you go to the plan where you can buy it outright, you will lose everything you've set up in the hosted version. So that's why I sort of say to my students, you know, make a decision after you do one or two centers whether you want to keep on going because then I suggest that you buy the program outright. 
a lot of other softwares are that monthly fee where, you know, while you're paying for that fee every month, parents are able to access the images. But once you stop that subscription, you know, they may not be able to then access their images, you know, six months later, a year later, if they bought digital files. So, yeah. So, and then there's other software programs where they charge a commission on sales as well. So I'm actually writing a blog post at the moment about all the different softwares that are out there and just what's really good for preschool photography and the pros and cons. It's a bit of a lengthy task to do, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so is that Red Cherry Images or is that Art of Kindy Photography? Where would we find those blog posts? Yeah, you would definitely find it on com, which is under my blog posts as well. So. Okay. If there's a portrait photographer that's looking to get into kindy photography, let's say they invest in Scitest. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but can that that software then replace PicTime or PixieSet? Like, can they cancel that subscription or do you think they're so different they're going to need both? Oh, look, they can definitely use it for, I use it for family photography as well. Oh, you do? Yeah, you can definitely use it for everything. It's very, very customizable. What I will say is no software out there is perfect. Absolutely not. If I was really good and could build my own software, I definitely would. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a very complex issue and um, software to build. But Citus perhaps isn't as pretty as, you know, PicTime and ShootProof and PixieSet. Having an update at the end of this year, which is going to be a little bit more pretty, which I'm looking forward to. But generally, you know, the wedding photographers and the portrait photographers will go for pick time and that because they are tailored for that market, whereas they're just not tailored for, you know, volumes of, you know, kindy children and having one main centre and then having lots of sub galleries as well. Look, there's a lot of photographers out there that will use that software and get along with it fine but they do have stumbling blocks and they all end up looking for something else after a few centres and that's usually when they go to Scitist if they know about it. (laughs) That's exactly what Tracy said. She was building separate galleries for each child and that just became too cumbersome and then she changed over. Yes. Uh, And she said coming over to you like shortcutted a lot of processes, which was awesome. With Scitist, like do they actually host your high-res images as well or are they hosted somewhere else and you just link to them? Okay. Yeah. So what I do is I upload to Citus and then they're stored in Amazon S3, if that makes sense. So because your web hosting is only a certain amount of gigabytes or whatever, a certain amount of storage space. So because I'm uploading so many images per center and so many centers per year, I just need that extra storage space. So Amazon S3 is the best deal out there. And it's an automatic, uh, once you upload it in your Citus, it automatically stores. So there's a connection. I don't know the technical term for it, but uh, yeah, there's definitely, it transfers and it sits in Amazon S3. And that's where parents draw down their downloads from. And I leave it on there for a year and then I take them off. So I'm refreshing my images every year and just only storing them for a year. Got it. Got it. Okay. I use Amazon S3 for some of the things I do with the podcast and I know it's super affordable as far as storage goes. Okay. So that makes sense. That's easy. All right. You talked about generating $100 per child, which sounds pretty awesome. That's a nice little uh, number, nice round number. Is that all digital files or are people taking products these days? Yeah, so I'm doing a mix. So it's digital files. Obviously, I love selling digital files because it's a lower cost of goods for me and it's better for my workflow. So they are priced in different package amounts. So I have, you know, one file or five files or 10 files or all of them. So, and then I have a few print packages. So 
What I try to educate on is you need to cater for all budgets within volume photography. You can't just treat it as a portrait photography business. You need to understand that uh, when you're dealing with the volumes and all different sort of socioeconomic backgrounds, et cetera, you need to price so you can meet all those needs and you're not upsetting too many parents having only high prices and you're just having that ability for people who really, really love photography and they want to spend lots of money I don't ceiling my spend either. So I've got, you know, that's the really good thing about the CIDA software is that you can offer upgrades within packages. Like I can add on anything within a package that I want that I've found with most other softwares, you're not able to do easily that I can with software, uh, CIDAS. And so, you know, that they can order prints, like they might have a 10 digital file and they really want the prints with it you know, even though they can go out and print their own digital files, they want the professional prints. So I've got that option on that package. Add on 10 prints with this, the same matching prints. And I really don't ceiling that spend. So I have parents that can spend, you know, $260, $300 on their kindy photos, or they can spend $35 on their kindy photo. So my average then works out to be around $100 once you look at all the figures for the whole centre. So that's how it works. Awesome. That's so good. So when you say that you give them the option to, you know, click a button or tick a box to print, say, 10 digital files or 10 photos from digital files, are you linking CITUS to your local lab? No. So that's the only thing that CITUS doesn't have, which I wish it would. The reason it doesn't is because of the customization and that ability to do those upgrades. So I think the software designer, you know, he has made that choice to give software that is so customizable that, you know, you can do pretty much anything that you want with it, but it makes it really hard to then upload to a lab. So what I do is just print out a product export every center and then I upload to rows and that's how I do my ordering through rows. So it's more of a manual process but that's what I choose to do as, you know, making that sort of call that I'm choosing to do that rather than pay for software where they take a huge cut in commission and print out at their prices. I know that I can get it, you know, at better prices with my local lab and do it myself. So, um, yeah. Got it. So what's Rose? So Rose is uh, most professional printers have a service where it's software where you can just go in and order what you need. You can uh, add the images and then go, right, well, I need all these as five by sevens. I need these images as eight by tens and choosing the image and plonking it in, I guess. <laughs> okay, so that's supplied to you or that's an app supplied by the lab that you're working with. Yes, yes. So I use Streets Imaging in Brisbane and they have a Rose, so it's R-O-E-S, and that's their way of uploading. There is a few other ways you can do it to send the prints off to lab, but that's the way I prefer to do it with them. It works for me. Okay. So you get your prints printed by streets in Brisbane yeah. via Rose, and then you go and collect those prints or do you have them drop shipped to the parents? How does that part work? So I have them couriered to me and they're all in order. So I like to package myself. It's one thing that I could probably, you know, outsource to an employee next year. But I just love that process of seeing the work come through and making sure it's all quality and just, you know, really just it's another method for me to check on, you know, what are parents buying and 
you know, what images are they loving? And just uh, just that final call before I pass, I deliver them to the families of making sure that everything looks good. So, yeah, I package them. Then I deliver them to the centre and I offer one delivery, complimentary delivery only. So I either deliver them myself or I send them via courier to the centre. And uh, your parents have an ordering time frame where they need to order within 10 days if they have printed items and if they do they get complimentary delivery anything after that they have to pay a $15 postage fee and I send out to their home so um, generally that gets all the orders in within the 10 days because they don't want to pay the postage fee and you know I can close off that center and move on to the next one perfect perfect with that $100 per child average is that what new photographers to the academy would expect? I would say that if they're following my examples and my guidance on how to shoot and the pricing system that I would use, that I use, you know, that's what they can work towards, obviously. It just really depends on the quality and the type of photos that they're, you know, providing their parents. But Generally, yes. Look, they might start off with a little bit lower, like $80 or $70 per child until they really work out their flow and, you know, with their light, et cetera. If you're a brand new photographer, I would say that you might struggle a little bit to produce those images quickly and, you know, know all the right poses. But that's why I've got a posing guide in there to give like so many different ways you can photograph on a slide or so many different ways you can photograph on a swing and really getting them to think, okay, let's just make this a little bit something extra special. Let's just not have a general swing photo or a general slide photo. Let's jazz it up a little bit. So, you know, and really... Getting those different angles encourages parents to buy more within that gallery because they can see so many different images they can't choose, so they end up buying the whole lot. That's the idea anyway. (laughs) So is that right in me thinking that the secret to generating higher sales is having a variety of images to sell? It's not so much based around the products or the pricing structure so much as having a variety of images. Yeah, I do believe that because if you make it hard for them to choose, they just want them all. And if they love them all, they want to buy them all. So, you know, that's that's where I'm going. And because I teach that, you know, you, you can spend five minutes with a child and easily get 15 different images. So I'm offering 10 to 15 different images. And that's just a way you could just do that in within two to three setups. So, you know, your portraits, you could get definitely two to three, four, even different types of portraits. And then you move them onto a bike and you could get two to three different angles for that. You know, close ups, zoom ins, or I mean, pullbacks, et cetera. And then you can move them onto a slide and then you're finished. So you could go to another spot if you want to, but you know, it just depends on how physical you want to be and uh, how much time you want to spend at the center. So I have another photographer working with me all the time or two photographers on site. So we can get through it quickly and we can offer that variety. So all of the feedback I ever get from parents is, I can't believe how much variety you've given us to choose from. I love them all. I can't choose. So, well, yeah. Awesome. How many kids are generally at a centre? I know that's a pretty, like, it could vary widely, but like on average, like is a centre 100 kids? Well, it just, yeah, it just depends on the size of the centre. So kindergartens are generally, so that's a four to five-year-olds, the kindergartens, are 22 kids per class. So if I go to a small kindergarten, they usually have two classes, one at the beginning of the week and one at the end of the week. So that's 44. So that's what I would consider a small centre. 
and I'm looking at around 4,000 in sales for that. So, but then you go to a center that's got 60 to 80 children aroundabouts, you know, so you're spending two or three days maybe at that center. And then after four to five days, that's around a hundred plus kids that I'm at that center for. And yeah, so it's, it just depends on the size of the center really. And it also depends on your registration. So I only photograph children that are registered with us for photos to be taken. So if they don't register, they don't have individual photos taken at all. Got it. Okay. So I'm just trying to play around some numbers here. So you're doing around $250,000. Well, around that. (laughs) I tipped that way in early 2020. I was up there. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Look, it might be you have a center that's 100 kids, but you might only get 80 register. So it really depends on your registration rate. And that in itself is going to depend on your relationship with the director and how much they hustle for you to, for parents to sign up and how much you communicate out to the parents as well. So you don't get that information from the center in regards to emails or text, being able to text them. You're relying on the center to send out that information for you. So making sure you have a really good relationship with the director to get those registrations on board is, you know, what you need to be doing. Got it. Once you photograph the child, I think from what Tracy told me, then they're basically giving you permission to contact them from then on. Yes. Do you then remarket to those parents for family photos or for additional school photos when you come back next year? Like, do you do anything with that email list? Yeah, I do. Look, they go straight onto my mailing list. And then they can unsubscribe at any time. So, you know, I have in my registration form that, you know, they're giving me their email, then, you know, they can expect emails from me. (laughs) So, you know, by signing up, they're giving me that permission, not only to photograph their child, but also for me to send them emails as well as a text message to let them know when their gallery is ready and also to let them know when it's expiring and, you know, to keep that communication up. So yeah, I definitely still have them on my mailing list and I will send out, I'm not as regular as what I should be because uh, I don't do a lot of family sessions. I only do them probably once a month for, you know, some families um, because I'm so busy with everything else. I don't have time for family sessions anymore. So I like to have my weekends free, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound good. This is what I would do. And, and I don't want to be, cons- I don't think it's unethical, but uh you said that you, after a year, you remove them from Amazon S3. So that's the end of those. They're not backed up. Are they still backed up or is that it? They're done. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have them backed up on some hard drives within my office. I take them offline though. And if they want to access those images in a couple of years time, I charge them a, an archive fee. You know, they they need to pay me the fee to put them back online for them to view. I do say that I only keep them for 12 months, but I've had parents come back to me one, two, three years later and want to see if I've still got the images. So I keep them, but I don't, I don't say that they will be there. I just say that, you know, I might be able to access them because hard drives fail. I'm just not going to be paying continuously for them to be stored online because that's a fee that I need to pay. And if they're not being accessed or, you know, if they're not being purchased, well, then I'm not going to pay for that. So, you know, they've got to the end of the year, usually December 31st, to make sure that they've downloaded their images because a lot of parents will forget. They'll purchase and then they'll forget to download. So I send uh, reminder emails going into December 31st that make sure you've downloaded any images from the year that you've purchased this year. 
And if they don't, then next year, if they want to try and access them, well, then they have to pay me an administration fee to um, send them to them. Right. So that email that goes out before the end of the year, does that generate more sales? Sometimes, yes, because they think, oh, can I have a look at the gallery again? And, you know, I want to get a few more images. So definitely I do get, you know, follow-up sales from that. Or if I also send it out to all the parents that have forgotten to purchase as well. So Okay, that was my question. Yes, and that's what I would be saying. Hey, these are about to be removed and deleted. Get in an order if you haven't. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So you do that? Yes, yes, definitely. And it always brings in extra sales, you know, for parents who couldn't afford it at the time. So probably going to see a little bit more of that at the end of this year possibly. You know, you know they could couldn't afford it earlier in the year, so maybe they can afford it now. Who knows? So it's always worth the try. Why not? You know, send out those emails if they get read and seen, <laughs> of course. You know, I could take it one step further and also be texting out, you know, sending a gross text message out to all the families who haven't yet purchased. You know, there's still a percentage of parents who have spent the money on the registration fee but then haven't used that credit <laughs> to buy their package. So, you know, which amazes me, but <laughs> they forget and they, you know, parents Parents are busy, I understand. So I've heard somewhere that it takes seven times to remind somebody to do something. So, which is probably true for me. I was going to say, it's going to be even more for men. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Not saying that. If you look back at your business, say, five years ago, did you see a big difference in your pricing from then to now? Yeah, I have. I have increased. I certainly value my time and my effort a lot more. I increased my registration fee from 25 to 35 this year. So that registration fee only ensures that you're going to photograph that child and that's also a credit towards whatever they purchase. Yes, so they get that as a credit code to use at checkout to take $35 off their purchase. Right, but if they don't pay that, then you don't photograph their child. No. Okay, so that's a commitment from them. No. The only way that that's different is if it's at a kindergarten where you're taking a traditional style photo, so that's all the children that are sitting together in a photo together. I still photograph everyone for that. I don't exclude children who and are not registered for that particular photo. So that's the only inclusivity I do for that. But if it's a composite style photo, I only put the children who have been photographed on that composite image, so that composite group photo. So (laughs) a lot of photographers might go, well, what about all the other children who are in the class? You know, why can't they be included? Yes, I've done that in the past. I've taken one shot only. But you have to be careful because for number one, you don't have permission to photograph that child that hasn't registered. And number two, 9.9 times out of 10, that family is not going to come back and purchase because they weren't interested in the first place. So I explain that to directors. I'm really upfront about that when I take on childcare centres that I'm only doing composite style class photos for. And I say, this is how we do them. You know, we only photograph the children who are registered and they're the only ones that go on the composite class photo. Do you understand this? If they don't like it, that's fine. Don't book me. (laughs) You know, go to someone who's prepared to do that work for possibly free, you know. So it's just the way I work and a lot of us are now doing it the same way. So it's not uncommon at all. Right. Because you've also got a group, don't you, of kindy photographers. So you guys are talking amongst yourselves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've also got, you know, a group of really close photographers who, you know, we all sort of support each other, you know, in our business decisions as well. So it's really important to have that. Nice. You've referred to and talked a little bit about this relationship that you have to build up with the centre manager or the centre coordinator. 
I'm guessing you go into that in your in your academy, but like, are you sweetening the deal? Is there kickbacks? Is there uh, movie tickets? Is there fuel <laughs> vouchers? Like, what do you mean by you have to nurture that relationship? Well, first of all, I don't believe in commissions or kickbacks. That is something that used to be done 10 years ago. <laughs> and particularly with my style, like it happens in schools, right? Because they're taking one photo only, of everyone, they're doing a large volume. So I can understand that model for schools. But for us that are going in there and offering a really bespoke sort of customised service and, you know, just we're taking 10 to 15 different photos, I'm not going to give a commission on my sales. No, that's just not going to happen. But what I do is give them free class photos. So I give them two copies of class photos, printed class photos. I do all their staff photos and headshots for free as well. So and that's, you know, I let them know that I give them the digital files plus the prints of their staff photos. And then I have 10% off any promotional photography. Uh, if they refer me to another centre, I come in and do like a one-hour event photography for them. So there's other things that I offer instead of giving financial, like money kickbacks, but uh, generally I don't get anyone really asking me anymore. So it's really not something that I believe that is still happening. It could be, but definitely not any centres that have contacted me and asked for it. Right. So with all those little things that you do, which amount to big things in the end, like these headshots and the, the events and things like that, is that what you mean by generating that great relationship or does it go beyond that? Well, I guess you just keep in contact with them all the time and, you know, letting them know the process and answering any questions and saying, look, if any parents have got any questions, get them to email me, you know, taking all that onus off them, having to explain what's going on and, you know, getting them to email me instead. So you're doing all the communication with the parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I let them know you don't have to do anything except send out this email for me, you know, to your communication channels. I get them also to send it out to like their social media and their, they, most centers have a communication portal within, it's called Story Park in Australia. Some centers use someone different, but most of them use this software called Story Park. So they're, they're putting messages on that there for me. And that's, that's what I mean about making sure you have a good relationship to them with them, you know, sending them images that they can use on that communication channel. So like I send them little graphics. So remember photos are coming up, you know, and must register by this date, et cetera. So I send them like a little package of, of things that they can use for digital, um, for emailing out, et cetera. So with that Story Park app, do you get access to that or you just give them things to use in Story Park? Yeah, I just give them stuff to use in Story Park because I'm not a parent at the centre, so I can't actually access it. Yeah, so that would be a privacy issue as well because only parents that are at the centre who sign up, I guess, when they're signing up their child, you know, they would be signing a, a waiver that their child can be shown on Story Park, et cetera, because they put photos on there that, the you know, the educators take during the day as well. So Right, yeah, so we've yeah. got some girlfriends, their kids go to a kindy. I think they can actually... I think, log in to the actual camera in the centre and see what's going on. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so you haven't heard about that or seen that in your centre? No, no, I haven't. I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, I think I've got that right. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm pretty sure I've got that right. Maybe it's just photos they upload. Well, I'll have possible. to double check now. I'll have to uh, do a bit of research on that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so they could see us photographing outside. Possibly, yeah. I could say, see, we spent so much time on your child. <laughs> We did so much to try and make him smile. <laughs> you can see oh, us working. <laughs> I can, yeah, that's right. 
when I used to go, when I had a relationship with uh, the mother care stores and we were doing a third party marketing promo with them, you know, I would go in there every week or one of our team would go in there every week to pick up the vouchers and we would never go empty handed. We would always take a you know, box of chocolates or a cake or whatever it is. Like, do you do that kind of thing when you go to the centres or do you have one initial meeting and it's just phone calls after that? You mean on the sign up when I sign them up? Yeah, like once you sign someone up, are you going back in there every week to talk to the centre manager? No, no, it's, it's all just email. Like most of the time they'll just contact me and say, can we book, you know, and I'll go, yeah, okay, sure. I could give you a call if you want, or we could just do this by email. Sometimes they're just happy to do that because they're too busy. Some will be happily, you know, call me and have a chat to me about it and go over the process with them. But I make sure my website has got all the information on it. So, you know, I just direct them to where it says it on my website, what this process is, you know, or I can clarify it with them over the phone if they, usually they have a few little questions, but they generally just haven't read that part on the website where I have, because I've been asked all the questions. So I've answered all the questions on my website already. So, you know, generally when they're looking for someone, they have a look at my website, they can find out most of what they need. And the only emails I really get now is when can we book rather than tell us about you and, you know, asking me all the questions because I already answered them for them on my website. So, uh, yeah. Got it. I imagine the most difficult thing for any photographer that wants to break into this arena is actually getting preschools or kindies to sign up with them, to actually get them to commit to them as a photographer. Yeah. Do you cover that in the training? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I'm, I've am i got a module in there which is called Booking Centres and Building Your Portfolio. So it's focused on what directors want to see and, you know, what you need to have on your website, what questions you need to ask and, you know, the reasons and rationales for these questions and the answers that you give. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually just about to release a mini course on just the marketing and the portfolio building and the booking the centres, all the tips I have on how to, uh, you know, get centres on board with you. So that's all part of the course, but I'll be offering it as a little mini course in case someone just wants to find out that bit first and then, you know, possibly later on they can move into the bigger course. But all my mini courses are actually included in the big course anyway. So, you know, they'd be better off buying the bigger course anyway. But (laughs) if they just want to taste and to see my education style and, you know, find out those little bits first, you know, they're quite welcome to get that little mini course. So that'll be out very, very soon. It's probably already out by the time with this podcast probably goes to air because it's going out this week. So, Oh, nice. Okay, awesome. Last question before I just ask you about the cost and pricing for the Academy. Is there any males doing this or is this a female sort of only territory kindy photography? Oh, it's, it's primarily females, but I do have a few males in the group. So, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a few males in my big photography group that I run. Yeah, there's definitely a few males in there. So it seems to be mostly females though. So, yeah. Are the males that are in the group, are they actually photographing the preschool kids or do they have women shooting for them? Yeah, oh, well, there's one particular one that I know who was a student of mine way back a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, he's out there shooting. So, uh, yeah. I'm kept in contact with him and he's doing a great job. So Okay. And then what, like, is that a viable business model? So let's say I wanted to start photographing preschools, but I didn't want to shoot, photograph the kids. Yeah. 
could I hire female photographers oh, to shoot for me? Absolutely, absolutely, definitely. You just you go out with them, teach them what you want them to do. Depends on the style, obviously, that you're offering. But definitely, yeah, there's no reason why you can't. I mean, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, some of my colleagues also have other photographers that are working for them as well. So it's definitely you know something that you can scale in the future if you decided you didn't want to shoot on site. You just wanted to be, you know, the admin around it and the spokesperson and, you know, doing all the other stuff. <laughs> answering emails, etc. You could have definitely have other photographers on site for you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What's the cost of the academy trainer? So the cost is eleven ninety seven. So that's the upfront cost, and then there's you know the option to pay via monthly or over twelve months or six monthly or even in three monthly payments. So yeah, so it's really up to you. <laughs> so eleven ninety seven, and that that gets you access to everything. So is it video training? Are we? Is it like Zoom calls? What is it? Oh, okay. So there's 15 modules. There's a lot to it. And I tell my students not to get overwhelmed. Just take one step at a time. It's all going to be there for as long as they need it. And there's video modules. There's downloadable PDFs that come with it, depending on your style of learning. And then there's, you know, just there's examples where I go in and show them how to do things on software, like, you know, how to work their way around the software. There's checklists. There's there's just so much. And also what there is is the Facebook group, the private group, where I'm in there all the time giving them updated information, new ideas, you know, supporting them on if they can't work out how to do something within the software. I'm definitely there to, you know, give them support and lead them in the right direction, you know, just going over all different stuff. So it's just, there's so much in the course that um, um, Tracy probably alluded to a little bit of it that, you know, you just, it's, everything's covered. So if they've got any questions, it's all covered in the course and yeah. But it sounds like they still have access to you as well if they do have a question. Yes. So I'm present in the Facebook group or if they want like extra special sort of, you know, attention and to guide them through a particular scenario, they can book me for a mentoring session, which we do via Zoom. But generally I can answer what they need within the group. And, you know, but if they're having real trouble about any particular part of it, I'm certainly available for that as well. So, um, yeah. Unreal. Does this work for listeners, photographers that are in the States, Canada, the UK, or is this Australian based? Oh, yeah, definitely can work overseas. Definitely, definitely. I tend to just have a lot of Australian students at the moment because I've only really been marketing within the Australian environment. So yeah, definitely it works for overseas. Absolutely. So their kindy setups are the same. They can use the same software. Yes. Same delivery methods. The software that I use is actually an American software. So uh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they could definitely use it. A lot of photographers over there know and use Got Photo, which is just for America. Like it's not available to use in Australia. But in saying that, it's one of the ones that charges you a commission for every sale that you bring in. They charge a certain percentage of commission. So um, you know, there's a few out there that do that, but. Uh, it's just a different system. So why would they go for that? Is it a nicer software? Does it have more functionality? Like why would you choose that over over uh, the one you were recommending? Citus, yeah. yeah Citus. Well, a few people have said that they choose that because it takes away a lot of their administration time. 
So it's it's a, a trade-up, I guess. If you want to get rid of a lot of administration time, you would possibly choose software like that. You know, I can't access a lot of their software because it's not built for Australians. So I haven't actually, you know, gone into it and done any trials, which, you know, I've been wanting to do as part of my blog post. But when I have reviewed the software, it's like, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that I have to pay 10% commission on my hard-earned work. So that's just my personal choice. You know, and then there's the cost of using some of their affiliated print suppliers. So they don't actually have any affiliated print suppliers within Australia. That's probably why they're not offering it within Australia. I'm not sure, but yeah. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Just quickly with Scientist, you alluded to the fact there's a lot of setup to do. So I'm imagining you have to add a lot of copy. You're writing emails that get automatically delivered. Do you give that email copy in the academy? Yes, yes. You do. I've definitely got emails that they can use. They can copy, paste and personalise and customise for their business. So I say that, please use this as a starting point <laughs> and then, you know, customise it for your business. So read through it, see what makes sense for you and, you know, generally it's just the pieces of information that they need to have within the email. So, yeah. Got it. Cool. All right, awesome. I think for the listener, if you if you have a think about $100 per child, as an average, a good average, a nice round number, you could pretty much work out how many sensors you need to book or how many kids you need to have coming past your camera to make it a viable business. And uh, it sounds doable for sure. Oh, look, it's definitely, and if you just want to start out small and just do a centre every couple of weeks or one a month, it's just something that you can fill your calendar with for weekday work. So if you're a family photographer and you just want to do a few kindies like five or six a year, it's such a good way to get in front of families. And I think a lot of family photographers forget that. They're like, you know, they're trying all these other different methods to get in front of families and to get known and to be top of mind. Whereas if you're doing kindy photos, it's just such a fabulous way to be in front of those families because with the whole process of being at the kindy, I'm sending them emails throughout their process. So I'm, I'm, you know, letting them know who I am. I'm letting them look on my website. I'm letting them know that I can do family photos, you know, if that's something that I do every now and again, not all the time, but, um, you know, they're getting to know me. So, and that's what other photographers could definitely do, you know, just by being in front of families. 100%, yeah. And I think too, if I was an overseas photographer and I had a, a quiet winter period, I would be trained up and be damn good at using strobes and setting up a mini studio and doing this inside, indoors in in the winter months as well. Definitely. And you don't even really need to have backdrops. So you could be doing indoor photos with flash or if you want strobes as well. You could be setting them up at a table and getting them to do activities at a table and just using, you know, a really low aperture to blur out the background. Uh, So sometimes you don't even need a lot of extra flash. It just depends on the light within the room. So, you know, I've done that a few times. I'm not overjoyed by it, but if it's really wet outside and I know that there's a good amount of light coming into a room, well, then I can set them up at a table near a window and get a few good shots there as well. So it's a backup plan for me sometimes, but generally, you know, you can definitely do that without the backdrops as well. If you don't want to use backdrops, but you don't want to shoot outside, you can do something like that as well. Got it. Are you shooting with uh, the same kind of setup as Tracy talked about? I think she's mainly using a 70 to 10. 70 to, sorry, to. 70 to 210 millimeter lens. Is that what Oh, you're... yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I use a 50 mil prime lens. Oh, I think that's what she said. I think she said 72. Maybe not, but. Wait, was she using maybe a 24 to 70? 
Zoom lens. <laughs> oh, I can't remember now. Oh, maybe I'm mixing up my interviews too. With so you're using primarily a 50 mil. Yes, I love my 50 mil, and I'm shooting at 2.2. So that is my style, and nice and light and bright. Uh, yeah. So I only ever really use my 70 to 200 if there's a child that you know doesn't like anyone to be in front of them or, you know, they're a little bit shy, et cetera. I'll get my longer lens out and let them go off and play a little bit and, you know, maybe take some images from afar. But they can still usually spot me. They can still usually see me (laughs) (laughs) trying to hunt them out. (laughs) But generally I work best and my personality works best with a 50mm lens because then I'm close enough that I can, you know, converse with the child and I move around a lot. I don't like the 2470 because it's at 2.8. I just love my 50 mil because I can go down to 2.2 and it's just beautiful blur in the background. So yeah, that's my lens of choice. Are you using eye focus on your camera these days? Yes, yes. I've got mirrorless cameras. Oh, love them. Love them. EOS R's. Yes. Yeah. Do you like them because they're lighter or because of the eye focus or both? Yeah, they're a little bit lighter. I didn't, wouldn't say they're too much lighter. And I've, I've got the adapter on still because I don't have my RF lenses yet. I'm still using my EF lenses. But yeah, I guess they're a little bit lighter, but it's mostly because of the eye tracking. And with the style that I do, because I'm working so fast, it just picks their eye and it just you know, my focus rate with the mirrorless cameras now is definitely up in the high 90s of, you know, good images that I can use. Whereas when I was using the Mark IVs, yeah, 80% maybe, you know, you'd miss some. You're working with kids and I'm always shooting at a really super high shutter rate because my ISO is a little bit on the higher end. And that's what I teach in my course to shoot AV priority mode. So I'm not shooting in manual because I want my focus to be on the kids and conversing with the kids and getting the most out of the kids and their personalities. So it's a really great method to use. A lot of photographers will say, you should be shooting in manual. I'm like, no, AV priority works absolutely fine for me. It's getting me the results that I need and getting me the sales I need. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Are you using the viewfinder trainer or using the LCD? Mostly the LCD. Right. Uh, Oh, sorry, mostly the viewfinder. Okay. Sometimes if it's a bit of a tricky lighting situation with the contrast a little bit tricky, I might have to just press on the LCD. But, yeah, mostly I feel comfortable using the viewfinder. So, um, yeah. Or if it's a tricky child that I'm trying to sort of establish some kind of relationship with and try and get some sort of connection, I will use the viewfinder and talk over the camera and look at them and, you know, have that eye contact. So, um, yeah. Got it. Got it. And you're shooting raw, aren't you? And then yes. editing from there. Are you using any AI for your editing these days or not yet? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I love Imogen. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's taken hours off my editing workflow. Like, I put all the images into Lightroom and I used to then just go through and, you know, adjust the exposures as I need to. But that process of AI, oh, my gosh, it's just so good. I could just send them off now to AI. They're back within 15 minutes. They're ready to upload. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. And did you create your own profile or did you use a talent profile that they had? Yeah, I created my own and then probably it took a couple of goes to just really perfect it as to the light. Every now and again, if I have a centre that's particularly contrasty or like colour casty with those blue horrible sail shades, which should be outlawed, they're just <laughs> awful. But, you know, they're a part of kindergartens. So you just have to get used to shooting with them. But, you know, sometimes I might have to change the colour, the hue saturation hues a little bit um to make it not so um 
yeah, one particular way. But I generally don't worry about that. Usually they're pretty fine. So Unreal, unreal. Where do we go to learn more? What's the website? Where should we look to uh, learn about <laughs> the, the academy? Yeah, so Preschool Photography Academy and it's artofkindyphotography.com. Yeah, so definitely go there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well under Art of Kindy Photography. My website for my business is redcherryimages.com.au. Yeah, and just feel free to contact me. We can jump on a call for 15 minutes if you want to have a chat about whether this is right for you, whether, you know, find out a little bit more about me and what I teach and, uh, you know, just really delve into it and see if you're ready. <laughs> awesome. I'll link to uh, everything you mentioned there in the show notes. Trina, again, you've been amazing. I love what you're doing. I love what you've built here and created. Thanks again for coming back and sharing everything. Oh, you're very welcome. And I'm so happy to get preschool photography out into the spotlight because a lot of people just don't realize how awesome it is. And just, you know, working with kids every day, they're all different. And because I'm working in different centers every day, it's something creative I can do differently every day. So yeah, just give it a go and yeah, it might be right for you. Awesome. You know, having spoken to Tracy just recently, like she was raving about you and, and, uh, and her business as well and uh, how much she loved it. So yeah, it sounds like you guys have found what you love. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Trina as much as I did. Trina, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I love the idea of your business, your business model, and the fact that you're helping other photographers succeed in the genre of kindy or preschool photography, as it's probably better, better known around the world. Again, massive thanks, Trina. You're amazing. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Trina had to share in today's interview. If you do have any follow-up questions, you can find links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode, and they are at photobizx.com forward slash 548. In addition to those links, you can see examples of her fantastic work. There's also the promo code that you can use if you do want to check out the Art of Kindy Photography Academy. If you use the promo code PBX20, you will get 20% off, and that expires on March 31st, 2024. So PBX20 for 20% off the Kindy Photography Academy access. Oh, and I should say, if you are a premium member, you'll also find Trina inside the members Facebook group. So if you have a follow-up question for her there about any of her workflow, the way she shoots, the Kindy Academy, pricing, whatever it may be, hit her up inside the members Facebook group. Make sure you tag her so she sees your questions and I know that she'll be happy to come back and answer anything you have for her there. It's shout out time. Two big shout outs for this episode of the podcast. Now, you may remember earlier Actually, I was going to say earlier this year, but it wasn't. It was probably late last year. I was talking about getting noticed in your community. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to leave a review. I've got to tell you, it works incredibly well. Not only did I leave a review, at the time I left one for a golf coach, a golf swing coach, and things changed at the golf course after I left that review. Well, today I get an email notification from Google and here is a lovely review from Italian vacation photographer Kirsty McConnell. Now, if that name does ring a bell, it's because Kirsty is also the brains behind the Pet Photographers Club, which is the education platform for pet photographers. You may or may not know that Kirsty took her business from Australia 
She moved to Italy after falling in love with who I am guessing is the most handsome Italian man. So here she is now on the other side of the world, setting up a brand new photography business. And then I see this lovely review pop up from her this morning. She says the Photo Biz X is her go-to resource. Week in and week out, Andrew releases interviews with well-sourced guests. And over the last 10 years, this podcast has been my go-to resource as I've established and grown two photography businesses in two separate genres and on opposite sides of the world. I can honestly say that I've met my goals because of lessons learned through the information Andrew and his guests have shared. If you're not already a premium member, sign up now. Amazing review. So, so nice to see that that is from Kirsty. Kirsty, if you're listening, massive thanks for taking the time to do that. It was a lovely surprise to wake up to this morning. And I hope you're doing incredibly well in what I'm guessing is a cold time of year in Italy. For you, the listener, yeah, I wrote back to, to Kirsty thanking her for, for the lovely review. And I said, oh, I wonder, and I asked her if she looks at her life, pinches herself and thinks, wow, like, look at me, look at where I'm living, look at what I'm doing on the other side of the world, starting a pet photography business, married to an Italian, speaking a new language, surrounded by the beautiful country of Italy. Just, just amazing. Isn't, isn't it an amazing, incredible thing to be alive and to be able to do the things that we get to do. Uh, it, it, it's just amazing. So again, Kirsty, hope you're well. And uh, thanks again for leaving that review. Look, I also want to give a big shout out to Atlanta creative portrait photographer, Mike Glatzer or Mike Glatzer in the USA. He left a review or a testimonial for the recent AI masterclass with Brianna. He said, following that training, mind blown. We finished the first training session and I had no questions to ask because I was still absorbing how incredible the tools, prompts and outputs of the AI tools were that Brianna demonstrated. I really appreciated how she walked through each step of the process by copying and pasting a few pre-written prompts with minor modifications. And the outputs were scary good, like absolutely nailed the language and audience. From what she taught, I can envision having an entire month's worth of client-focused content ready to go in a matter of a couple of hours. This was game-changing. Highly recommend taking this course to make your life easier and make posting on social media bearable again. I love that, Mike, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to send me that testimonial. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in the future and follow-up classes with Brianna, not to mention hearing about your success with what you implement from what you've learned so far. So massive thanks for taking the time to do that. Now, for you, the listener, if you are unaware, for anyone that leaves a review, sends me a testimonial, whether it's on Google or iTunes, my little way to say thanks for doing that is to leave a backlink pointing to your website, which is exactly what I've done for both Mike and Kirsty. So if you do leave a review for PhotoBizX, an honest review, let me know that you've done that. Send me a URL that you would like me to link to and the keyword phrase you're looking to rank for so I can add a backlink from the PhotoBizX website to help you with your SEO. It's my little way to say thanks for taking the time to leave those reviews. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Big thanks again to Trina Julius for coming on, sharing everything she did. Make sure you go and check out her website, Red Cherry Images and also her Art of Kindy Photography website. If you are at all interested in adding kindy photography to what you're currently doing in your business or you want to get better at it if you're currently offering it, she's got all the answers over there. Big thanks again to Kirsty and to Mike for leaving those reviews. Also, 
please go and check out last week's episode with Katie Griffin if you are interested at all in Google Ads. Oh, and lastly, if you are an Adelaide-based photographer, don't forget, this week I am in Adelaide. I'd love to catch up with you on Thursday. Thursday evening, we're going to catch up in the CBD at one of the local pubs. Shoot me a message or an email. It's andrew at photobizx.com if you are going to be in Adelaide and free to come over for a couple of drinks and a good old chat about photography, business, and anything else that comes up in conversation. I'd love to see you there if you can make it. Alrighty, that's it for me for this week. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 